1: Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So Dolly Parton uh, celebrated her 78th birthday and it was a mess, a mess at the Grand Ole Opry. No fault of Dolly's. No fault of Dolly's. No fault it right of Dolly's but it turned into an absolute disaster at the Grand
2: Ole Opry. Yeah, there was a show, uh, a couple of shows over the weekend uh, to celebrate Dolly's birthday and um, L King was one of the performers, Elle. I don't wanna say she didn't prepare. She took an L. But L took an L with this performance, uh, which she admits was alcohol fueled and it turned into an absolute disaster on stage. comfortable and by the way folks did pay a lot of money three hundred dollars a ticket um (laughs) i would be pissed and it's not one thing that she screwed up the song couldn't remember lyrics but she was but then to sort of arguing with the audience to rub their noses in it to say you're not gonna get uh, wow Um, by
3: by the way she did say on stage what the reasoning was for her missing out on the lyrics and everything like that and for the horrible performance, she said on stage that she was drunk and that she was celebrating Dolly's birthday by quote, hitting the bottle. So she kind of explained it, but still, I mean, if you are going That's to be a part of That's the unprofessional part. Just because it, you exactly. admitted
2: that you were unprofessional <laughs> Doesn't Doesn't make it any (laughs) any less unprofessional.
3: Right. And by the way, people in the audience, you can hear them saying like, we don't care, we love you. However, there was a lot of people online that said they were there that just weren't vocal, that were super upset about this, said that she ruined the night, that she was absolutely horrible. And Dolly Parton's sister, Dolly Parton herself has not spoken out, but her sister spoke out named Stella and she called Elle a hillbilly, which I don't think is really accurate, by the way.
2: She did, but by the way, I I almost feel like she... we're gonna, here's what uh, Dolly's sister said because it's kind of defending Elle a little bit. Said, I did not see or hear the Grand Ole Opry birthday tribute to my big sister Dolly over the weekend but some little girl by the name of Elle King apparently cussed and insulted some of Dolly's fans by not knowing a song. She did admit to being hammered, her word not mine. Now this is the interesting part. It wouldn't be the first time a hillbilly went on the stage at the Opry hammered but I guess it's okay if you're a male but good lord don't ever let a girl behave that way, folks. Double bleep and standard, if you
1: ask me. You know, this is not like an insinuation of support. This is saying BS to that, anybody that who's criticizing her. her because what she's saying is plenty of men do it, and right. nobody says anything. And nobody says a word. I, you know, I gotta say that she, she, she may have a point. Not maybe she. am sure say, she knows better than I do. That can she I has just a say point. she does have a
2: point? She we does. have we have covered male country singers, not at the Opry. But I gotta say, it's not just the Opry. It's because it was Dolly's tribute. And if a guy went up there and did that during Dolly's tribute, then I think people would still be calling him out. You know what I'm saying? I, I get her point overall about the Grand Ole Opry. Yes, I'm sure there have been lots of... And that is true. That probably is a double standard there. But any guy who screwed up at Dolly's birthday, we would have done the same thing. Maybe, but but maybe it's more
1: intense with a woman. I don't know. It's like... You know what this reminds me of, and I know this is off track in Uh a a way, but it does side rail. Okay, it relates in my mind. Um, I saw somebody this weekend talking about Nikki Haley, and they were saying, why doesn't she attack Trump more? And this person, it was one of the commentators on cable, said that a woman can't yes, do that. That because... a woman can't do it because they get that label right. and men get away with it. And I
3: and I that's thought to myself, that's a really
1: good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of relates in a way to this. You know what I mean,
3: but but at the same time, like as women, you want to be like the best representation of like yourself, right? So I, I get that we're saying like, look, men get drunk all the time, they blow it, we don't say anything, and when women do it, we do. However, in general, I think if you're you're going to be performing a cover song of the icon Dolly Parton, <laughs> you're gonna want to do your best and give people the best show possible. Forgetting the lyrics to "Marry Me" on stage at. None other than the Grand Old Opry. Come on, please, just like make it work, you know? Hi, it's Carrington from Houston, Texas, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Elle King's from Los Angeles, so a natural Nashville twang isn't her normal thing. So I feel like she got drunk to make her accent better.
2: Oh, I was wondering if anybody was going to say anything oh about the Oh my God! I know she, did, she didn't grow up in Nashville. Oh, that's hysterical. But uh, it's <laughs> grew up I, here in LA. <laughs> so I, don't... I
1: wish she would have said that on stage. Look, I got drunk because I needed a twang. It's
2: <laughs> <laughs> the only oh way I was going to pull it off.
1: Okay, we are going to move to Buffalo.
2: Yes. Uh, Shuffle off to Buffalo. Buffalo. Shuffling off to Buffalo where Taylor Swift uh, was upstaged a bit, I would say, uh, during the Chiefs game against the Bills. Uh, Of course, all the attention around her as she arrived, um, and that was to be expected. And then when the game starts, you expect to see lots of shots of her in her luxury suite cheering on Travis Kelsey. She was upstaged by Travis's brother as Jason Kelsey (laughs) was (laughs) (laughs) from the first... (laughs) First quarter, he was in rare form. What's he holding in his hand? Yeah, that's there? a beer. Look how I small it looks it in his
1: hand. It looks so
4: small. It's it a regular rough. sized
1: beer, but he had his shirt Is that on. really a
4: regular sized beer? <laughs> Re- oh <laughs> my that's god. That's crazy. I didn't even notice that when I saw it. It looks like a little baby thing. It can. looked like <laughs> a tiny little thing. <laughs> I know. He's an NFL star, guys. I, I'll um, tell you what. Yeah, he did really steal the show. And it, it's hard to, uh, I guess, to outshine Taylor Swift. But I think for one night, Jason Kelsey did it. It was funny because it seemed like, despite the fact that he had on the, the well, when he had his shirt on, he had on a Chiefs shirt, and yeah. he was supporting the Chiefs, it seemed like the fans in Buffalo absolutely loved him. He jumped down multiple times, uh, showed his athleticism, by the way, for a guy that's size nice, that. to jump back into the booth. I was so impressed by that. <laughs> but, I mean, he's such, so, I know Travis is the more famous brother, but Jason is such an awesome guy, and I think he is really beloved by by almost everybody. Right, and you had really cool.
2: the opposing team's fans wanting to hang out with him and he did hang out with him this was a really sweet Aww. moment went down and got a uh, little young yeah. bills
4: fan she had a sign charles and it said something you know to the effect of her being this gigantic taylor swift fan and, and jason actually uh hand delivered her to the booth so the little girl could say hi to Taylor Swift. He's, he did, actually
2: when he picked her up he said well, come on we're going to go show this to taylor can i tell you
1: these two guys are it's such a brilliant move and i know it wasn't in you know that Jason, or Travis did not calculate this when he started dating Taylor. But they have turned this into such a business for them.
2: Ever since they played each other in the Super Bowl, they have been... Yes. They, they've just become... These huge media stars. whole uh, no family star. has.
4: And, and, you know, it doesn't normally happen. Like, Jason Kelsey is an offensive lineman. You know, this happens for quarterbacks. Those are right. the guys who are famous. What other center out there is world famous? But, but Jason Kelsey has become a giant star, and if he actually does retire, I think he's going to have a huge future in, in the media space, not just his podcast, but he has so yeah. many options out there. I mean, this guy is going to be a big mm-hmm. star, and he's here to stay.
1: Is that really a beer? You know,
4: <laughs> I'm convinced I mean, it's a mini can. We can. Zoom, can we zoom it's in? Can we zoom in and see they what kind of They sell those mini cans, you know. They, they do sell, sell mini cans. cans, but oh, maybe it's a mini can. No, I don't. think it's a real size Do You guys. think that's a
1: rea- a normal size beer? Yeah. Oh, he's a big God. guy, man. No, but <laughs> jeez. Anyway, I, he stole the show. That is no small
2: feat to steal the show from Taylor Swift. Right. But he did. And not only won over people who were there to want to see Taylor, but also the again. Bills fans aren't known. In fact, at the end of the game, they were throwing, some of them were throwing snowballs at at, uh, At, Patrick Mahomes Mahomes as he was running off the field. So it's not like they're thrilled to have the Chiefs there and eventually beat them. But Jason, they had no problem with. Him they love
0: hey my name is brian i'm from i'm from denver colorado and i'm sure that beer was just a gulp to him like a swallow and, <laughs> right, right. I, we failed to mention how cold it really is out there and he has that shirt off that is crazy and um i mean if, to public service announcement to my siblings if you don't celebrate like kelsey's brothers do, to for him i'm disowning
2: you yeah yeah, exactly. It's nice to have family standing up for you. Like,
1: by the way, they, they, they had some kind of lucky charm there because they were lucky to win last night. Honestly, well, that game could have the easily old, gone the other way. Right. Wide right. Every week, TMZ investigates pop culture's biggest stories.
3: Every noise you hear, you're just terrified.
1: And tonight, stalkers have become a huge problem for celebrities. These aren't normal people. They're insane. They can also be deadly. TMZ
5: investigates Hollywood stalker crisis tonight at 9, 8 central on Fox.
2: Dave Chappelle is playing the race card. He has the right to do that, right? I guess so. Uh, in particular, he is <laughs> playing the race card with Cat Williams. Uh, because, you know, of course, a couple weeks ago, Cat Williams was on Shannon Sharp's Club Shay Shay. They did a three-hour interview. Which, by the way, got like more than... 50 million views. Yeah, actually, it got uh, spoofed this weekend on SNL. So, uh, huge hit. Um, But not everyone, in particular Dave, uh, agrees with uh, Kat's target list, Uh, all the people that he called out. Because Dave noticed something about who Kat was going after, and he's uh, really ticked off about it. He talked about it when he was on stage Friday night here at the Hollywood Improv. he didn't say anything about any of these white boys. None of these white boys function like that. And Cat is one of the best painters in the game. That's so why are you drawing all ugly pictures of
0: us. And hurt people hurt people. But I'm a hurt person that never hurt people. And he does it all the time. slanting Anything that you did wrong. What well, part of the game f- up another f- paper? And right. What part T- of the T- game
1: e- is about killing on another f- So what I'm trying to figure out from this is he essentially calling Cat Williams self-loathing. That it's almost like the way he's saying it is He's going after black people, attacking
2: black people, saying black people aren't funny, and that's his own business. Well, part of what, it, and it wasn't even that the cat was saying they weren't funny. He called well, every, all sorts different, of things. All sorts of things. Yeah. But I think Dave's point is, like, why did it, why was it only black comedians you went after? I, I don't know. By the way, Dave said it's not so much that the things he said were wrong, but... Dave has an issue with him calling out these things that he was, that Kat was calling out.
5: So two things about this. People were waiting to hear from Dave Chappelle because he's the biggest name in comedy, stand-up comedy, obviously, but also he's close with Cat Williams. He's also close with a lot of the people that Cat Williams went after. There's two things that, so with Dave basically saying, don't go after your fellow brothers, essentially. That's what he's saying. Don't go over your fellow black brothers. That's kind of what Dave is saying, just because because we're black and we need solidarity. That's kind of what Dave, I'm hearing him say. And he's saying these white boys, these white comedians, I think what he's saying is like, they don't do this within their own, they don't do this amongst themselves. They don't trash each other, they support each other we should be doing the same thing. Why are you tearing down other black comedians, right? So he's kind of just playing the race car just for the sake of playing the race car, which I find a little odd. But the bigger point, which Dave Chappelle certainly made in no uncertain terms, is that Cat Williams is a good old-fashioned hater, just straight up. And that much was clear from the interview. Cat Williams is like, oh, and by the way, this person. And by the way, this. And just like hopscotching around, just name dropping and just hating and just saying random things just for the sake of saying it is ridiculous. So yes, Cat Williams is in fact a hater. But then with Dave Chappelle's saying like oh just don't attack black comedians just because they're black well it's like well that i'm not really understanding that logic either but whatever that's that's among themselves i guess i kind (laughs) of see
1: i I see that point um it's it's kind of weird because look dave has targeted groups before um right or wrong but he has and i don't even know that cat targeted black comedians it may just be that he likes black comedians more there's and also something different he's more in, critical of
2: but it. the crit- what you're saying like there's something different between what dave does and i am not defending people were hurt by what he said i get it um but dave has always said i'm on stage performing i'm doing comedy right and you may not like who he's going after in the comedy but he's doing comedy right i think dave sees that as different from what cat was doing which was not stand-up Kat was just sitting there. He was reviewing, he was a critic. Does, yeah, tell, and- and He, he was hating, point, he, he was just hating, straight hating. Straight hating and not actually owning up to anything he has done uh, during his time in the biz, so. If,
1: if there were a punchline, would it have been better? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> hey, it's Ski Money, rapper from Joliet, Illinois. Um, I don't know what really caused Kat to go on this huge rant thing like that, but Dave, I feel like Dave kind of made it about the race thing. Dave made it a race thing. I don't know if it was really should have been made into a race thing, but I, I understand where you're coming from a little bit. I guess maybe he was coming at his friends or something like that, but. Yeah.
2: Well, there was only one winner in this, right? Cat Williams. No. Oh, Chan- Shannon Sharp. Sharp! Shannon Sharp with 50 <laughs> yeah. million views, yeah. yeah. Still winning, every day. <laughs> okay, uh, we are gonna move on. Yes, uh, to an awkward meeting of uh, co-parents. <laughs> that would be- Icy is a better word. Yeah, uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Um, first time in a long time we've seen them together. Uh, they were at Saints basketball game. Yep, look at Kanye turning away from
1: mm-hmm. her. Body language well, means something. I think they're all looking at the game. No, I know, but body language means something, right?
3: I will agree with you, Harvey. In the video, actually, you can kind of see more of their interaction that they have. And it looks like they're talking, Kim is talking to uh, Kanye. They have Chicago standing next to, uh, in between them, kind of. So, I mean, it just it's very awkward. You know, they're there to support Saint at the basketball game. And, and you have to give kudos to Kim. You know, she does allow Kanye to come around the kids. And, you know, she allows the kids to go with him when he was across the seas. And, you know, we've seen Saint in North and everyone with them, but you know, it, it, it's a little telling when you, when you mention the body language. Yeah,
1: and the only thing I would, I would take issue with is saying that she is allowing uh, the kids to interact right. with him. He has a right to. Um, they have joint custody. And this is something that, particularly for Kim, she has to figure out how to navigate this because it is dicey when you've got somebody what? who's got a
2: mental illness, who is going on these rants. And I think that's what you're seeing, especially in that video. Right. You are seeing her navigating it as she's going along. Like, yes, especially yeah. with Chicago sitting right there between them, we've got to figure out how to at least be civil in front of our kids.
1: That's right. Yeah. But
2: it is, you know, they, they have had their squabbles
1: over uh, co-parenting uh, since they separated. And I, from what I'm hearing, uh, that persists.
0: Yeah. Hey everybody, Tori from New Jersey. I want to talk about Kanye and Kim. I see they uh, were at a game together. I mean, they're parents of uh, four kids, so they're bound to, you know, see each other and hang out. But that's good, keep everything civil for the uh, kids.
2: Well, Too Short already cemented his legacy as, as a rapper, one of the pioneers of rappers, certainly on the, on the West Coast. Um, but now he's gotten into filmmaking. And what's interesting about this movie, and we're gonna talk to him in just a moment about his movie that debuted at Sundance Film Festival. The cool thing is it debuted at the Sundance Film Festival, which meant that Short also had an opportunity to do something else he hadn't done before, and ever. ever skiing. And by the way, uh, we got a video of it. Yeah. Pretty damn good. I gotta say, as someone who learned to ski late in life, I am impressed. So joining us right now is the jack of all trades, uh, rap, film, skiing, he's got it all down. Too Short, (laughs) welcome back to TMZ Live.
0: What's up, what's up, man? Yeah, I did it. I did it. I just braved it out. And let's let's go. So, uh, before- <laughs> Not we... a
2: lot of people will do that. <laughs> before we get into skiing,
0: let's
1: talk about the headline, which is, your movie seems amazing. I mean, Pedro Pascal, cat. Tom Hanks. Tell us about the movie, because this is a big
0: deal. Well, you know, um, the movie is about Oakland, California. In the movie, the city of Oakland is actually a character in the movie. And this movie is a nostalgic thing. It's based in- um, the year 1987, and it's really a collection of stories, four four stories to be exact, that all just play together to be um, a good feeling, man, it's a good experience, man. There's so many emotions that that you experience while you watch this movie, you know? So Freaky Tales the movie is based on characters, if I have
2: this right, characters that you first created when you wrote the song, Freaky Tales, right?
0: Yeah, my music partially influenced the, the creation of the story. It's influenced by some other things that are the norm in the city like Oakland but the story being told back in 1987 it's just it's just the music in there it it does so much to you and i um i don't know man i i am the narrator of the movie so my music's in the movie you hear my voice throughout the movie so you know it's it's uh, it's going to be a good experience man you see who's in it There's a lot of, a lot of really good actors in the movie well
1: you got huge actors in this movie um I, you know that is a really hard thing to do I mean it's a really really hard thing to do how do you I mean I, 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 listen what's the sales pitch when yeah what when is it that with Pedro pascal it's, not, it's amazing
0: the story is so good and the movie uh, before we before it was even shot it just seemed so good to anyone who touched the script from from what I'm hearing everybody say so the way it all came to be was um, it has this sort of um, uh, emotional attachment for each person involved and it means so much to the people from the bay from oakland the people who created the story it means so much to me when they when they brought it to me i didn't i didn't think about it very long before i jumped on board it's just that good of a story like literally
2: that is tremendous and i heard it got uh uh, great reviews at sundance so um you're off and running as a filmmaker let's talk about how did how did they get you get you on on the mountain by the way, I- I'll tell you up front. Short, we mm-hmm. did our Merry Elf and Christmas special, and Shaq was here, and he mocked me and said, Look, "Black people don't ski, man." <laughs> and I was like, "No, I- I've been skiing for you know twenty something years now, and I learned late yeah. in life. I'm not sure I'd be able to do it if I learned it now." But you seemed like you just nailed it on the first day.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sort of an adventurist, and at the same time, you know, I-, I feel like I'm, you know, even though I'm 57 years old, I'm very very agile and still athletic. So I I took the challenge, man. It's like. I've always been into outdoor activities. And, and, you know, Shaq said, black people don't ski. I've never had the opportunity. If I went to a ski lodge, I would say, let's go rent snowmobiles. Or, you know, I'd jump on a sled and ride down the mountain. I never just thought about snowboarding or skiing. And I really regret it, man. I would have done this in my, if I would have done this in my 20s, 30s, I'd be, you know, I'd ski all over the world, but hey. It was fun, man. It, it really
1: is fun. So you were on the bunny slope and then you graduated to the intermediate slope. Do you have the bug or is
0: this a one-off? I had a really good instructor who uh, felt like my early part of my lesson. So first of all, you gotta know I took a three hour lesson. It wasn't just like a one hour right. you know, orientation. So I'm there for a while. And early in the lesson, she's like, yeah, you're really getting this. So let's wanna try a little more. I'm like, let's try it. And we just kept trying a little more. Next thing you know, I ended up on a mountain that I couldn't navigate.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. I know what you're talking about because I was (laughs) in Deer Valley a long time ago and the exact same thing happened because I used to ski at Big Bear and then I went to Deer Valley
0: and it was like, (laughs) oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) I was told by a lot of people after my lesson, they're like, how many times you fall? I said, I didn't fall. They're like, everybody falls. I'm like, I didn't fall, so... I, if she didn't save me, I would have had a falling story.
2: You're right. <laughs> yeah, you, listen, they, they say you're not really pushing yourself far enough until you fall. You gotta you gotta okay. at least fall one time. So Came very, very close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came out of it safely. And, uh, and congratulations on, on the movie. Tells, yeah, man. this is really uh, something.
0: I gotta tell you, it's a really good movie, and I don't care what you read or what you hear you're never gonna ex- expect what you see. <laughs> Watch what I tell you.
2: I-, I love it. All right, well, listen, it's uh, it's sort of your postcard to uh, to Oakland um, and that era, certainly, so uh, I cannot wait to see this short. All right, man, talk to you guys later, man. Thanks, right, man. Short. Wow, he's great. He really is great. You gotta love when someone is adventurous at that age and just says, you know what? Yeah, I- I'm just gonna go out and do it. You know, I did that on a bicycle once. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Well, if Pauly Shore's Richard Simmons movie biopic that he wants to make is anywhere near as dramatic as all the drama around the making of it, then it's gonna be a great film because this has gone back and forth now. You know that this started months ago with Pauly Shore when He decided he wanted to do a Richard Simmons biopic, came on the show here, explained to us why he wanted to do it, his love for Richard Simmons. It was
1: all very positive.
2: And then the announcement came last week that he's got a producing partner and they're going forward with this film. And Richard Simmons came out and said, I have nothing to do with this film. I did not approve
1: it. They Uh, do not have my permission. Now, we should say, they don't don't need need his his permission, permission. but he did not give his blessing. In fact, it seemed he did the opposite.
2: Right. Um, And... Paulie Shore was a little optimistic at the end of last week. He said, you never know with Richard, these things could change. maybe when he sees the short film that I've done, he's gonna change his mind. But he had not, I don't think he saw. But I don't think he'd seen it. Yeah, I don't think he'd seen the short
1: film. But all of a sudden Richard Simmons emerges again. Yeah. And then says good
2: luck to him uh, in a text apparently. We haven't seen it. Here's what Paulie had to say about this latest uh, communication with Richard. And um, he's definitely taken it as a positive about making this film.
4: Tonight, he texted me and he said, good luck tonight Woo! on the show. So let's give it up for Richard Simmons.
0: Woo! Several years ago, people started to tell me I looked like Richard Simmons. <laughs> and I said, I thought more like Billy Crystal.
6: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyways, I'm a comedian, I like to with people, I like to have a good time. And that's really what this is about.
4: So I, I think Pauly Shore led with the fact when he was addressing the crowd that Richard Simmons texted him and said, good luck. Because frankly, he's getting annoyed with all the press that's getting drummed up with Richard saying that this is an unauthorized biopic. I watched this film and it's less than 10 minutes, and I have to say, this is really nothing to make a fuss about at all. It's a really nice, kind of flattering little picture for for Richard. Uh, if Richard does see this, I think he's gonna like it a lot.
2: And we should be clear, the short film that Paulie was screening at Sundance is not the feature film that he's hoping to make. That feature right.
4: film,
1: like you say, has not been made, and now the question is, who's gonna make it? Because it's right. unclear to us now whether they have a distributor, a studio behind it. It seems My like, guess is that from what we gather, no, they yeah, don't.
2: that uh, someone took a nugget last week right. and it spun into this big story right. that they're, they're going forward, they're making the film. Yes, Paulie seems to have someone on board with him that wants to make the film, but whether they have the wherewithal to actually make that film and distribute it yet, doesn't seem like it. Right, and, and the fact that Richard
1: is saying good luck does not mean good luck making the movie it could
0: mean good luck tonight right right you just don't know right what up though everybody this is mo lynch from battle creek michigan and a uh, shout out to to uh, richard simmons for making that gesture or sending the text message but uh, i want to say for me personally the way biopics are successful is when the icons they're telling the story about is involved with the production and with the script. That's why Straight Outta Compton works so well to me because everyone was involved and everyone agreed on the story. Yeah. So, so let's, let's get this movie made and get uh, Paulie Short at Oscar this
1: time next year. By the way, congrats too on Detroit. It's having a huge comeback. It's having sure. a
2: moment. Sure is. Uh, okay, we are going to move on to something that uh, we are airing tonight. Yes, tonight on Fox at 9 o'clock, 8 central, uh, TMZ Investigates. This is the series that we're going to be doing, um, several of these, but... uh, But different subjects, different subjects. And tonight's subject, uh, as you see from the title, is something that celebrities have been dealing with for as long as there have been celebrities, and that is stalkers, uh, and the challenges, uh, very unique challenges to dealing with these types of characters. So um, this weekend, Taylor Swift had yet
1: another stalker, um, come right up to her doorstep um, at or her home. In New York. This would be, as far as we know, the 16th stalker that she's had. She may have had more. We know of 16 now. And You are going to hear Taylor Swift tonight say that she has wound dressing. Hear me. Wound dressing at her home because some of these stalkers have come up to her armed and come up to her door armed, and she wants to make sure in case, God forbid, uh, they shoot her, that she can survive. This is how bad it is. The laws are inadequate. Um, restraining orders mean very little, if anything. And it has gotten really awful. A lot of people think that this is peculiar to women, that uh, so that women get overpowered by larger men who are stalkers, We talked to Logan Paul, um, a WWE champ, USA champ, 6'2", 200. Very few people are going to overpower him. Right. But he's still dealing with... Scared. He is scared. He's had to spend millions of dollars to protect himself against a stalker. And this is a moment during the interview with Logan where something came up that really affected him.
5: It was pretty clear right off the rip that this was a mentally unstable human, and so you do your best to exercise a little grace in that scenario, but it's hard because you've been violated.
1: This guy, Spate, who repeatedly tried to break into your house, he died in 2019, and it looks like he took his own life. I'm wondering now, do you think the system failed him?
5: heavy. I didn't know he died. I'd say the system definitely failed him for sure.
1: It's on tonight you're going to hear about Taylor Swift and Sandra Bullock and Logan Paul and a lot of other people and you're going to see what a crisis this has become. It's on tonight on Fox nine o'clock Eastern eight central Central. on Fox and this is uh, the beginning. This is our kickoff uh, of a series where we're going to be investigating lots of different things. Uh, we are taking a break. All right,
2: when we come back, gonna be joined by John Walsh and his son Callahan. They are back with America's Most Wanted, a series that John started out of heartache and tragedy and His return, He's gonna be here, they'll both be here to explain why they came back to do this show again and why it's more necessary than ever. You know the saying, uh, not all heroes wear capes? I do know that. Type. Yeah. Um, well, you, some people would say that applies uh, to our next guest uh, and his son, who have together, we're talking about John Walsh and his son Callahan, uh, more, almost 1,200 uh, criminals they have helped apprehend. That's really amazing. Through their shows, most notably really America's amazing. Most Wanted, which John started back in 1988. I was young then, by the way. Younger. (laughs) Uh, But it ran for 24 seasons, and it is back now on Fox. Uh, For the first time, John and Callahan get to do this show together, and they're joining us now to talk about their debut, their return, tonight on Fox. Uh, John and Callahan, welcome back to Team Z Live. Hey, guys. Glad to be back,
6: and before we start, I want to wish you guys good luck on tonight's with your new show following ours.
1: Yeah, we have TMZ so, Investigates, investigates right, uh, right after yours where we get into this this crisis with stalkers in Hollywood. But um, what has changed? I, I, I have some opinions about this because to me DNA is a huge deal, but what's changed from when you started America's Most Wanted to now?
6: A lot has changed. The technology has improved. Uh, we have touch DNA now better enhanced all kinds of tools for catching the bad guys. But the criminals have gotten smarter. You know, the internet has become such a dangerous place. We're doing a case tonight. You know, fentanyl is a national epidemic. 107,000 people died from fentanyl last year. We're doing a case of a 17-year-old girl who got online on Snapchat and talking to a drug dealer. He comes up with a menu of the drugs they can buy every day. She buys one pill. She's going to study it. It was probably Adderall. And it was laced with fentanyl, and she oh, died God. two hours after she took wow. it. Now I'm looking for that dirtbag drug dealer. So fentanyl has changed the whole world as it relates to dangerous drugs. And the internet has become, yes, it's the, it's the world's super highway, but it is a dangerous, dangerous place for kids. So a lot has changed, Harvey.
2: Well, one thing that I, I think has changed, John, it used to be that the point of the show was to get the public to get involved, to send in tips. Uh, And they did that. And I'm wondering if you, I don't want to say, I know you don't want to pat yourself on the back and take credit, but now you have internet sleuths who are calling the police without the police even asking for information because people are so involved in trying to solve these crimes at home uh, that they are now sending in those tips. I'm wondering if you want to take any credit for that because I, I think you should.
6: We're gonna harness those those internet sleuths, those armchair detectives. We're gonna use the power of social media and engage with that true crime audience. So it's amazing the value that some of these armchair detectives, these internet sleuths are able to add. Um, And we're absolutely gonna use them to help get captures. I I think we'll get more captures than ever before.
1: With all of the advances that you just mentioned, with touch DNA, everything else, as it evolves, um, our Cases that were really, really cold for many, many years back on your radar? There are so many
6: cases that law enforcement are begging us to do. I particularly like to do cold cases because, Harvey, I think you know this, Charles, it took 27 years to get the files away from the Hollywood, Hollywood Florida police and basically help solve my son's murder. I waited 27 years to get those files to show the mistakes they had made. And a really great cop and a really great prosecutor solved Adam's case once we got all those files in one month. So I'm a great believer in looking at cold cases. I was a guy that had to wait 27 years to get justice.
1: I can't think of anybody, anybody, who has done more out of a personal tragedy than you have, John. I mean, it really is amazing. And in amaz- turn saved so many other lives. Yeah, I mean, I remember Adam Walsh, I remember how tragic it was, and I remember seeing you when it happened on television, and I thought, God, how is this guy gonna get out from under this and what you've done is one of the most remarkable things I've seen in my career. I really mean that.
6: You know, we loved that little boy. That was our first son. I named him after my dad who was a World War II hero, was my mentor and idol. And, and uh, you know, I named him Adam, both of them. My father was named Adam and my son. And it, it just broke our hearts. You know, you, it, it's just the most unbearable thing. And I, I will admit, I, you know, I was a hotel builder. I didn't know anything about crime lived in a nice house and you know was building a 26 million dollar hotel on paradise island all of a sudden he become a crime victim nobody helped us there was no national center no amber alerts nobody nobody helped us look for that little boy and the fbi refused to get involved in adam's case back then the ncic the national crime information computer held millions of stole, convicted felons records stolen boats planes cars and a Kentucky racehorse, but no missing kids, No, not even an unidentified dead file for missing kids. And the FBI said they wouldn't help the Hollywood police because the kid business was a dirty business. So I think out of heartbreak and sadness and anger, a lot of anger, I'm, you know, Irish stuff family, you know, we, we just tried to do something to make sure he didn't die in vain because my wife always said it, remember who the real victim was. It was that, it's not us. So let's fight back. Well said. And uh, we are so...
2: Uh, Glad that you are back doing what you do best, Uh, premiering tonight, America's Most Wanted, premiering at eight o'clock on Fox. Um, Thank you so much for being with us, guys. And I'm sure we're going to be talking as you uh, start cracking some of these cases. And
6: congratulations, by the way, on uh, bringing this back because it's important. We're going to try to make a difference. I always said it for 25 years. You can make a difference. And Tonight we're gonna do it and you're gonna do it right after us too, so good luck to you guys too. We always said we need to make sure Adam didn't die in vain. And If this song is to continue, then we must do the singing and we're gonna be doing that tonight on the new uh, series of America's Most Wanted.
2: Awesome, thank you so much guys. Absolutely, thanks guys. Wow. Yeah, thanks. smart move. It is. Smart move bringing that show back. And, and it's
1: helps people, I mean. Well, it really helps people. Yeah. I mean, it's, life, it's a life-changing show. Yeah.
2: Big night for Prince Harry and a few other people who were honored here in Santa Monica over the weekend for their connection to aviation. Um, Yes, Prince Harry received the Living Legend of Aviation Award. Remember, he was a helicopter pilot in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And he got the award, it was presented to him by none other than John Travolta. And there is a connection here, Uh, very famous. Famous pilot. Also a famous pilot, but also very famously um, danced with uh, Princess Diana. I forget oh, what the- Oh,
1: right. I totally forgot that. Remember
2: this, this moment in 1985? Yep. like I totally a remember the deal, this dancing with the princess. It was a huge deal, actually. Yes. Uh, so that came up after uh, John presented Harry with his award. Uh, Listen to the, I think, friendly ribbing that uh, Harry is giving to Travolta. This is
4: nice. <laughs> Thanks very much, Captain John. Thank you for running away. I was one year old, I uh, was one
1: year
2: old when you, uh, danced with my mom. <laughs> I was told everybody here, we continue to sort of dine out on that program every single night. Um, but look at us now, it's great. So if we're not going to dance together, we'll fly together. That's it, thank you. <laughs> you should have come, John should have come out and they did some
3: dancing, did some moves together. And that would have been
0: that awesome. Been a- hey guys, it's Millicent from Texas. And I think this is so amazing how they keep such a positive memory on their mom, and now him and John Travolta have something in common. I loved it. Yeah.
1: God, I forgot that dancing scene. That was such a- Oh, yeah. That was
2: so cool. That was so cool. I learned something about um, uh, the world around us, courtesy of Coldplay. Did you know that Manila, Philippines has the world's worst traffic? How can it not be Los Angeles? Although I, that's look at that. that's how we feel. Look at obviously. that. Holy I, I don't want to I don't think I want to try it Well Coldplay was playing in Manila over the weekend and yes that traffic was clearly on Chris Martin's mind. Check out this tune There's
3: only really one thing
2: that remains The traffic in Manila is completely insane
4: <laughs> If you want to drive some
1: Don't even get us started on doing a bad version of my way there, because it'll get you killed. Google it. We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs)